Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Wee Win, aka the scholar, aspiring entrepreneur, comedian, actor, singer, rapper, dancer, YouTuber, podcaster. Yeah, I'm a podcaster today. Hey. And with my boy, introduce yourself, sir. Yo, Jay Weezy on the mic. No, just kidding. It's <laughs> Jason Wong, aka the chosen one. Uh, me and we go way back, way back in the day. Back in the high, that, uh, high school day. Time to reconnect, you know. So uh, let's get it. That's right. Uh, so I know Chosen's in high school, and right now, both of us are in our late twenties, right? Mm-hmm. And throughout our life, I think. And when you say it like that, I feel old. <laughs> we are we are pretty old, my my guy. Yeah, I well, age is just like relative, right? It's a number, and it's just based right. on how you feel about yourself more important. But I just want to say I appreciate our friendship throughout the years. Even though we kind of far off when we went to college, right? Mm -hmm. But anytime we come back together, I always feel like nothing really changes. Yeah, we never skip a beat, man. Exactly, man. So tell me more about what is your aspirations right now? Yeah, well, I guess it's not just right now for me. It's been like this for a while. It's you know it's gone up and down, but I've had these aspirations for probably for about ten years. And uh, for those, I guess probably most people listening to this podcast don't know, I'm a PhD student at Caltech, uh, which is a little science institution uh, in the city of LA, or nearby. Of my PhD, uh, studying applied physics. And uh, I have a lot of aspirations, but the main one is related to my career. And that is, I want to learn and study physics and apply it in such a way that I can help change the world, hopefully for the better. And in doing so, I want to also be a teacher and a mentor for other students and aspiring scientists to do something similar. And one of my philosophies is it's really hard to change the world by yourself, but if you can inspire a group of people to follow your lead and follow your path, then, you know, one person that's trying to change the world suddenly becomes 10 or 100. And as the number gets larger and larger, uh, you have a higher chance of succeeding. So, you know, that's kind of my goal, I guess. So my goal is uh, hopefully in a couple of years, I um, am able to be a professor uh, in physics or some related science and the reason why I think that might be a good career path is there's a lot of flexibility in being so you can uh, when you're a professor you get to teach and you get to mentor students at the same time uh, if you're a university professor you get to do uh, scientific research and potentially even start companies so it's one of those career paths that's quite unique because you get a little bit of everything and you get to manage your own time. Um, 
really well while still being in some sort of structured university setting. Wow, amazing. If you do become a professor, I think you're the only friend that I know of is a professor. So I think if anybody can do it, actually, it's going to be you. You have been, uh, to me, from what I see, not only are you intelligent, but you also possess a capacity of the human compassions. So what I mean is that anytime we talk, I think you always think about the other side, try to look at the whole perspective, the holistic approach, which I think a lot of people miss uh, nowadays. I think it's very important not to just quickly label somebody is wrong, somebody is right, but rather uh, you gather all the information available and take that everything into consideration and then try to come up with a resolution, right? Instead of just like yeah. uh, reacting A to B, you look at A, B, C, D, E, F, G, row, row, row your boat, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I <laughs> yeah, man. So that's that's what I think. That's why I think you would be a good professor. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I you know, nowadays, especially with like how our, how America is and what's been going on the last few years, I feel like uh, it's harder and harder for people to take a step back and try to really understand other people's viewpoint. And when you want to be a kind of a mentor or you want to be a teacher, you have to realize that every person that you teach or mentor can be different from different backgrounds and different perspectives. And sometimes it's important to not think everything from your own view, but to really, really not just like walk in their shoes, but like run as well and mm. really get the feeling of uh, what it would be like to them because you know one of the things uh that's really important when you're mentoring is learning how to motivate people mm. uh how, how do you inspire them and the way you do it is you have to understand who they are you can't expect to do exactly the same thing uh to 10 different people and expect to get the same results you know people have different uh biases and Uh, perspectives and different uh, past experiences that affect how they receive information. So I think keeping in mind the differences in perspective is really important. If you want to reach a bigger audience and reach, understand how other different people work. Definitely, man. I am also an aspiring teacher or social worker. And I think... It's very difficult to f truly know somebody, right? Even if you know your wife or your husband for like 30, 40 years, there's always blind spots. There is. So, yeah, man. So just by having an open mind when we talk to people can come a long way. Now, I know you talk about being professors and inspiring you know, students and people. Uh, what about the research process uh, aspect of it? Are you doing anything in terms of researching and real-world uh, applications, etc.? Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, man. I'll, Let I'll them know. Tell you about it. Let them know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, so, uh, uh, well, you know, it, it's funny. Before I even talk about the research, it's funny that, uh, you know, thank you, Lee, for giving me this opportunity to talk about this, just because uh, I, I think there's always a big disconnect between uh, people that are doing research and maybe the general public that gets to consume or use it. I agree with the that. The government is, uh, you know, putting in some money. There's some money putting in being put in from private uh, companies or other folks. But uh, when people hear about, uh, for example, like the vaccine being developed or new technology like 5G, etc., cetera, mm. uh, sometimes people don't really understand what happened before it came out and the years uh, that was put in uh, prior to something uh, being, you know, uh, put forth mm. to the uh, general public. So I just want to, you know, start with that first. Wow. And then with regard to uh, research and what I'm working on. So I'm working on these really exotic materials. They're called 2D materials, literally two-dimensional materials. And they're called two-dimensional materials because the properties are most interesting when they are thinned down to a single atom or a few atoms thick. And what's interesting about that and what happens when the atoms are are so thin, is uh, the electrons that are nearby the atoms are forced to move in this two-dimensional world. And when that happens, they uh, exhibit a bunch of exotic properties. And one of the probably most useful uh, properties is they're easily tunable. So what does that mean? That means that it's easy to take material and change it really quickly or rapidly or by a large amount. When you think about bulk materials, materials that are three-dimensional, um, like a piece of stone or um, a piece of wood or something similar of that nature, um, if you want to change the whole property of the wood or of the uh, stone, you have to kind of go in and you have to do a lot of stuff. And really, when you're changing it, a lot of times you're only using the surface layer. You're like painting over the wood or you're applying some coating or something like that. Uh, and that's because it's three-dimensional. But when you have two-dimensional materials, the surface is the whole material. So when you apply that coating or when you do whatever treatment that you would normally do to the surface of a material um, that is three-dimensional, uh, it's only a small portion of the whole material. But when you do something similar with a two-dimensional material, it's everything that it is. So, okay, I'm speaking really abstractly, but what some people are really interested in doing with these materials is making new technologies. For example, um, one application is related to driverless cars. So probably everyone knows what, what that means. It's just cars roaming around in the universe or in this world without needing a human presence. Uh, but what do we need to get there? Well, we need a bunch of detectors and sensors and lasers and other ways of sending light and getting back information so that these cars can get some information um, of the universe that it's in to make intelligent decisions not to kill someone by running them over or uh, hitting a little boy or running over a cat even. Things like that are really important things. We don't want to hurt anyone when we make this technology. But oftentimes, we don't even have enough information 
to make these intelligent decisions? And why don't we have enough information? Um, one of the things is you need basically detectors and cameras that have a sufficiently high frame rate. So what that means is you're able to acquire information at a specific rate, and that information that's being acquired is then processed. So you need something, some sort of thing that can um, acquire information really quickly and be able to um, detect that. Now that's actually not a problem, but what is a problem is scanning um, the laser head of, for example, on top of a driverless car to get the information. And that is a technology that has not been completely figured out yet because we need it to be at extremely high frequencies. Now, the reason, where does the 2D materials come in to play in all of this? Um, well, the, the 2D materials are interesting as candidates for this kind of stuff because uh, they can do these really ultra-fast processing. And the reason why is because they're so thin, it turns out the electrons in there can move a lot faster and they can be manipulated at a much faster rate. And this faster manipulation and this ability for it to be tuned by a large degree enable these materials to um, be very useful for these high frequency applications. For example, like these driverless cars. Wow, that was a lot to take in. That's what, <laughs> that's what she said. Pause. <laughs> but yeah, man, you, you should let, stop and ask me questions while I'm. No, I, I like listening. I think the audience is too. But I like the point in the beginning when you said there's a lot of people who you know, anti-vaccine, anti-science right now because there's so much like conflicting information. I think yeah. that's the main reason why people are, have so much distrust in science and the government and whatnot. Yeah. But I think that if if like an average person have like a best friend who is like a scientist or even in politics, that will actually help them a lot. So for me, having you as a best friend and seeing how much schooling you had to go through, how much time you put in every day to studies, to do research, and how much effort it takes to... Put the put things that you learn into uh, a way that we can organize so that things can be in order and not disorders. And the whole process takes years, right? Everything that you learn, yeah. decades, even even a hundred years, two hundred years, so that we can have like yeah. a vaccines. But a lot of people just think, oh, they just come up with this and they say we should take this. Oh, I don't think that's a good, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think the the more knowledge and information that we can gather, the better our decision will be. So that's why I do this podcast. I just want to spread awareness, spread information, spread compassion and kindness. And I appreciate you for coming on here. Yeah, man. With that being Thanks said... Thanks for inviting me. Oh, no problems. Always a pleasure for sure. With that being said... I have no idea what you just said about the 3D, 2D. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand the driverless car and whatnot, but I'm sure my some of my listeners will be intelligent enough right. to decide for that. But regardless, I know you're going to make this world a more efficient and better way for all of us to live uh, among another. So I appreciate your research. 
Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you another example because go uh, ahead, go ahead. That's not that's not really the best example. Okay, let him know. So I, yeah, I mean, I guess what I want to motivate uh, people is actually just the entire field of material science. What is it? It's the study of new materials, mm. and uh, people do this in various degrees. People do sort of more simple materials that you're familiar with, like you mix different types of metals around, and then you get less, like for example, stainless steel, uh, and you mix different types of rocks around, and you get things like cement. Right. And those are really common, and people have been doing that for uh, centuries, if not uh, longer. But uh, the new sort of material science that people are looking at is fundamentally different uh, materials that are different than what we have today. Mm. So things like superconductors, materials that superconducts and are able to flow electricity without any resistance, that's a material. Uh, it's an exotic material, but um, it is a material. So when people are studying material science, they're always trying to see if we can find a material that does something different than uh, anything else that we know today. And the powerful thing with that, just like if you imagine we had uh, room temperature superconductors, would be to uh, enable a whole new innovation of science and technology. Like if we had uh, room temperature superconductors, we could easily meet a lot of the energy demands that we have today. We would be able to have cars that are much more efficient we would have trains that are much more efficient. We would have computers that uh, we charge once and we can run for uh, weeks on end continuously without even having to, um, you know, plug it back in. So watch, watch out, Tesla. We coming for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, this kind of stuff, when people are looking at these new materials, like these two D materials, there's a lot of interesting stuff that uh, you know, even the scientists and the engineers are still trying to see what's possible. So wow. th that's really the motivation of this kind of research is to look at what's possible. And I, I guess I want to leave on one note, which is uh, particularly interesting within the past couple decades. Scientists have gotten so good at uh, understanding materials and atoms and controlling them that we are getting close to the point where we can literally think about a material and think about what we could do if we were able to control every single atom in that material. So we know uh, every uh, material that we basically know on the known uh, Earth is made out of atoms. And if we are able to arrange every single atom in some material in a very specific pattern, with different uh, elements in it, we could make something that doesn't exist uh, today with very different properties. Wow. And if we're able to do so, um, you know, the uh, possibilities are limit limitless. So I think we are getting to that point in science and technology and engineering today where we're really close to being able to manipulate and control the placement of individual atoms, which is just really exciting because... Uh, it's like playing God with atoms, and it's like treating these atoms like Lego blocks. Uh, and we're able to make new structures and new things that we wouldn't be able to. They're, they're the new building blocks or these um, of our 
universe and of our of these new materials. That I did not know that was even possible. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Now, is there any like any cautionary tale that you would want to bring out? Like you said, like, yeah, you know, because you said you like uh, we're playing God. What are the co potential consequences of doing well, this kind of research? Yeah, well, there's the usual stuff when people are uh, studying these kind of things, uh, which is more health uh, related. But uh, as far as we know, nothing uh, on the level of causing a uh, pandemic like COVID. But there's a <laughs> There's just health things, for example, for researchers. For example, uh, there's these materials called quantum dots, and these things are uh, kind of like bigger version of atoms. They're often called artificial atoms, and these things would be maybe instead of being one atom in diameter, it would be like a hundred atoms. Um, so they're pretty small, and they're small enough to act like asbestos, like the stuff that you would find uh, in your attic. Uh, that a lot of uh, Houses have, and this asbestos can cause a lot of allergies and different reactions to the human body if they are consumed. So that's that's the challenge if uh, these things are consumed. The other thing that can be uh, a problem is if this stuff is used for the wrong reason. So uh, there's technology that's being de developed uh, related to this in biology. Uh, it's the interface between nanotechnology and biology, and uh, most of the stuff is done for good, uh, as far as we know. Where we try to make little robots or little things that can swim up streams and uh, try to detect things, but um, you can imagine a universe where we have biological warfare with another country. And uh, if that ever happens, the other country would or may want to do something like this, where they uh, combine a little bit of this nanotechnology with uh, uh, this biological sector to really cause great damage to the human body. Mm. Would it be fair to say, though, as a scientist, anytime you do research, you consider not only the benefit, but the potential consequences that come along with it. And you try to think of everything possible before you do a research. Well, I'll be, I'll be frank here. I think a lot of uh, scientists and researchers are probably more um, optimistic mm. than they should be. So we often think like, oh, how can this be good for us mm. instead of, uh, you know, how can it be harmful? I see. Um, there are definitely regulatory boards across the country and across the whole world that regulate things. For example, uh, there's this snake in biology that's been developed in the past decade. It's called CRISPR. I actually forget what it stands for, but it's uh, C-R-I-S-P-R. And it's actually a way to edit the genome of a species. And people have been doing this for quite a while with... Um, Uh, rats and other animals and uh, there's been a lot of control there and a lot of success there but recently in the last couple of years there was a researcher in China that uh, for whatever reason decided to do it on humans 
And this was a big deal because uh, this never passed the ethical board, especially if you're working in fields like biology, where you're directly impacting uh, either animal lives or human lives. There's always regulatory boards that uh, decide whether uh, certain experiments or tests are allowed. And uh, for this CRISPR genome editing on humans, the scientists just decided to just do it without um, consulting uh, for approval, which was a big deal. It was a huge ethical deal. And there's been a lot of backlash and a lot of uh, problems associated with them doing that research. Wow. So, um, that, yeah, that's that's the news. Wow. So that, I guess that's that, that argument where they say, Gun don't kill people, right? I mean, people don't kill people. What did they say? I forgot the sayings. It says, uh, gun yeah, don't kill people, don't people kill. kill people, right? So Something like that. Right, so it's the, not the tools or the research or the technologies that is inherently bad, but it's the people that use it or abuse it, so to speak. Yep, exactly. What else would you like to talk about in your career? Is there anything that we missed today? Well, you know, maybe we can save it for uh, some other time. There's a lot of, I would be happy to go on about uh, a lot of science things. There's, there's an endless amount of things that I would be happy to share. But for now, uh, you know, this is good, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you. And how can people follow you on, on social media? You want to plug in real quick? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, underscore Josen Wong, my full full name. You can reach me out. Uh, reach out there. Follow me. Hit me up. Ask me any science questions. If you're interested in grad school, if you're interested in doing research, if you're just interested in science and just want to connect, uh, you know, feel free to hit me up, man. I'm happy to share my perspectives. Amazing. By, by the way, what school do you go to? Uh, it's called California Institute of Technology. There you have Caltech. it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening in. It's your boy, We Win, a.k.a. The Scholars. We are signing out. I'm a gentleman signing and I'm a out. scholar. Hey. hey, we out here. <laughs>